the four sons that appear in the Haggadah. When we first look at the Haggadah, it seems to be a collection of somewhat disconnected paragraphs, with the overall motif being the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. However, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai teaches in the Zohar that the Torah is not a history book. Rather, it is a book of instruction that deals with our present-day relationship with the divine, not with historical stories. Just as a person wears clothes, so does the Torah itself wear a garment. The garments of the Torah are the stories that we find within it. But just as nobody is silly enough to mistake a garment for a real person, so we also need to look beneath the surface of these stories in order to find the real essence of the Torah. To take the stories at face value and think that they are all the Torah is, is just as silly as relating to a person only from the outer clothes that he or she wears. So when we sit down on Seder night to read the Haggadah, our purpose is not to tell a story of what happened 3,000 years ago, but to examine in what way are we in exile now from ourselves and from the Creator and to discover what redemption from that exile comprises. Packed within the words of the Haggadah is both the soul's experience of exile and our joy in redemption, the experience of disconnection and the joy of reconnection that God uniquely grants us on this holy night of freedom. Only when we recognise our own exile can we value the freedom that God gives us the opportunity to gain on this night. All of us have aspects of ourselves in which we are enslaved to our own egoism, to our own wills to receive for ourselves alone. In this modern world, we can get addicted to the internet or to emotions and lusts that we can't control. But all of us are addicted to giving pleasure to our own ego. All of the things I mentioned are aspects of the evil inclination, the Yetzirah, which is described by Rabbi Ashlag as the will to receive oneself alone. In the days before Pesach, the Torah instructs us to clean our houses from the Homets and to refrain from using it during the seven days of Pesach, as the spiritual root of Chomets is our own pride and arrogance. Chomets represents the addictive aspect of ourselves that leaves us in exile, separating us from the connection with our soul and with God. And yet on Pesach, God himself creates a miracle. His outstretched arm and mighty hand takes us out of our inner exile. But to appreciate the redemption he gives us, we also need to understand what this exile is and how redemption manifests. It is this tale of inner exile and inner redemption which is actually told in the Haggadah. When we look at the Haggadah from the perspective of our inner exile, our separation from God and our redemption, the Haggadah transforms from this sort of odd collection of disconnected paragraphs into a powerful meditation, a sort of wordscape that speaks directly to our souls. The Haggadah says, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord God took us out of there with a strong hand and a mighty arm. 
We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. Who is the Pharaoh that the Haggadah is referring to? What is the Egypt? It is the Pharaoh within us that enslaves us. This is the aspect of ourselves which identifies with our will to receive for ourselves alone, whose response to being told to let the people of Israel go and worship God says, Who is God that I should listen to his voice? This response of the Pharaoh within us is a voice we can actually hear in the present day. What is the Egypt we are in? The word Mitzrayim means a narrow place. It is a tunnel vision created by our will to receive for ourselves alone when we can only see ourselves and our desires and see nothing outside of that. Despite these mighty egoistical forces within us, the Pharaoh within us and the Egyptians, nevertheless, God takes us out of that egoistical consciousness with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. The Hebrew, Vayotzienu, God takes us out. In the grammar of the Torah, the Hebrew word used is in the future tense, but we translate it as the past tense. But the Torah is not in fact relating the past. The past is the garment, it's the story. But the Torah teaches us using the past as a guide to the future and condenses past and future into the now. For for God, past, present and future are all one. So when the Haggadah talks of redemption, this is redemption from the servitude that we all are in to our self-absorption, from our tunnel vision created by the idol worship of our own ego. It is a redemption that brings us to be able to connect with God in the here and now. How does this work? How do we get from our addictive behaviors to uniting with God? In one of the most enigmatic portions of the Haggadah, we can find the answer to this question. And this is in the portion of the four sons. On the surface, this part of the Haggadah doesn't seem to mean so much. We don't know, really know what it's saying. But when we see it as a guide to our inner work, it transforms from being a very enigmatic part to a very intimate one. In fact, it's dealing with the varied responses we have within ourselves to the idea of the giving unconditionally, which is the first requirement for redemption. Because as the sages said, just as he is compassionate and merciful, so we also need to be compassionate and merciful. For only by aligning ourselves with the will of God can we actually unite with him. On the surface, the Haggadah tells us of four sons who all ask questions about the service of Sadonite. One is wise, one is wicked, one is simple, one doesn't know what to ask. If we go into this, the sons all seem to be asking the same sort of question and seem to receive quite similar answers. In fact, we don't really know what this part of Haggadah is telling us. So in order to understand this section and find the inner meanings to it, we're going to look at it using the language that we've learnt in the study of the Holy Ari and the Zohar as taught by the great Kabbalist Rabbi Hudelev Ashlag. 
Since we're talking about four suns, our very first question is what is a son? In our inner work, the term father and son means cause and effect. So there is a cause that gives rise to four different potential effects. The Haggadah opens this section with the first statement. Baruch HaMakom, Baruch Hu. Normally, in an English Haggadah, you'll find that is translated as Blessed be the Omnipotent, Blessed be He, meaning that God is everywhere. But in the language of Kabbalah, the word Makom actually means desire. So, let's translate it as Blessed be the desire of God. What is that desire? The sages teach us that the desire of God is to give goodness unconditionally to all created beings. And as we said earlier, for us to receive from God all that he wishes to give us, we need to be in affinity of form with him to have the same desire that he has. Otherwise, we're not on the same page. He, so to speak, stretches his hand out to us, but we're so busy with ourselves, we have our back turned. In order to come in connection with God, we need to attain the same desire as his, that is the desire to give unconditionally to God and to our fellow man in just the same way that he gives unconditionally to us. When we act according to our basic nature, we're serving ourselves. This, in fact, is exile. If we can attain the desire of serving God and our fellow man unconditionally, this would constitute redemption, unity with God, as we would then have the same desire as he has. So what is the Haggadah saying? It's telling us that the blessing is the desire that God has of giving unconditionally. And this desire is the cause to which we've got four possible responses. A wise response, a wicked response, a perfect response, and the response of one who doesn't know how to ask. Before the Haggadah gets to discuss our responses, it brings one more statement. Baruch Shanatan Torah Lamo Yisrael. Blessed is he who gives Torah to his people Israel. The Torah is a godly instruction manual on how to deal with our basic original nature, which is our will to receive for ourselves alone, how to turn aside from evil, and how to come to the desire of giving unconditionally. And since we're all born with the will to receive for ourselves alone, we don't know how to give unconditionally. Yes, we all know how to give to somebody else if we get something for it, consciously or unconsciously, whether it's a material reward or an emotional reward. But giving unconditionally is something we actually don't know how to do. However, with the Torah as a guidebook, we can recognize our exile, develop our desire for redemption and learn the way to achieve it. The Torah teaches us that each one of us, male and female, Jew and non-Jew, is made up of body and soul. The body side of ourselves is our ego, called in the Kabbalah the will to receive oneself alone, and it functions in every sphere, physical, emotional, mental, even spiritual. And yet, this ego is only the garment. In the Kabbalah, it's called the body. Within the body is the soul. 
This is a part of the essence of God that is given to each one of us and has the desire to cling to God and unite with him, but we are not usually very aware of it. The soul awakens within us longings for the Creator and reaches out to us by putting into our minds and hearts the desires of altruism, of love and of connection between ourselves and God. When these thoughts and feelings of longing to give unconditionally, of going beyond ourselves come to us, how do we respond? How do we relate to these promptings that come from God? These promptings are the cause, the, the idea, the thought of giving unconditionally that God puts into our minds and hearts. And the effect, which is the sun, is the response. The Haggadah starts, the wise one, what does he say? What is the testimony and the laws and the ordinances which the Lord our God has given you? The Haggadah replies, then you shall say to him the laws of Pesach, and we do not eat anything after the Pesach sacrifice. Now, although in the Kabbalah you can find a much more detailed understanding of this, it's enough for us to know that we have a wise part of ourselves which knows that the will to give unconditionally is not something that we understand naturally as it's not part of our created nature. And so it responds by bidding us to give unconditionally, saying, okay, I need to learn to give unconditionally. How do we do it? How do we do it in practice? What are the testimonies, the laws and the ordinances? What do I need to do in order to give unconditionally and let go of my will to receive? It is an enlightened response and is therefore called wise. Each one of us has that part within us. But there's another possible response to the voice of God that calls to us to give unconditionally, to come closer to him, and that's the wicked one. Interestingly enough, this is not an immature response. It's a very aware response. The wicked one hears the voice of God calling to him, to give unconditionally, but objects. And its objection is based on the fact that the will to receive oneself alone doesn't want to do anything unless it gets something. And so it rejects it. The wicked one says, what is this service for you? And the Haggadah replies, for you, not for him, because he's taken himself out of the general desire of Israel. He's blasphemed against the main idea. As we said earlier, the exile of Egypt is primarily an exile of our consciousness. It is a part within ourselves that rebels against the whole idea of giving unconditionally. When an impulse of giving comes to us from God, it rejects it because it cannot see the point of doing anything for which it gets nothing for itself. It is an aware aspect. It's aware of the idea of giving unconditionally, and it rebels. In fact, Rabbi Baruch Shalom Ashlag teaches that this wicked aspect within us only wakens when we're beginning to try to come to do the work of giving unconditionally. Until we begin to try, it doesn't even wake up. So if we find it within us, it's actually a good sign. It means we're trying. Why does it waken just when we're trying to do our best? It's a question that hurts us. We are trying. Why does this horrible aspect come about? 
And the answer is, is because the way of creation is, is that redemption can only come about if exile precedes it. All light needs to have a vessel. All goodness needs to have a desire. So we need to become aware first of our own exile, because then we will be able to cry out to God to redeem us. Now, since the wicked, egoistical aspect of ourselves actually prefers exile to redemption, the Haggadah states that if he had been there, he wouldn't have been redeemed. So how should we relate to this voice when we find it within us? How should we relate to the wicked aspect of ourselves? The Haggadah says, harden its teeth. Let it grind its teeth. In other words, don't argue with it, just ignore it and listen to the voice of God that's calling to us. The teeth represent the 32 pathways of wisdom. Why is this wicked aspect of ourselves so difficult to deal with? Is because it has a wisdom of its own, the wisdom of the will to receive oneself alone. From its perspective, it's telling the truth. Within the framework of the will to receive for itself alone, its reasons are correct. If we try to argue with it, it will win, because actually it's not telling a lie. But its truth is a partial truth only. It is the truth of the body, not of the soul. When the snake spoke to Eve, he didn't tell complete lies, and it was the truth that trapped Eve, not the lie. It's the same thing here. It's the truth of the will to receive that captures us, not the lie. When it tells you it doesn't want to get out of bed to study or pray or meditate because it's cold outside or it's dark or it's too early in the morning, it's not telling a lie. From its perspective, it's true, but it's a partial truth only. And that's the reason why we must not get involved with it and start discussing things with it. Because if we do, we get snared by the truth. The instruction of the Haggadah is to grind its teeth, let it grind its teeth. We need to focus on the voice of God within us. And now let's look at the third response that the Haggadah brings to the voice of God that calls out to us to give unconditionally. Translations of the Haggadah often portray the third son as a simple son. He's called Tam. But Jacob, our father, is also called Ishtam, a whole man. This part of us asks a whole question, Mazot. This is usually translated as, what is this? But again, when we look at the language of Kabbalah, we find a deeper meaning. The word zot means faith. It's a perfect part of ourselves. It's a whole part of ourselves, which responds to the voice of, of God calling to us and answers from the general principle of faith. In a way, it's similar to the wise response, but it doesn't go into details. It just wants to work from the overall basis of faith, faith in God, faith in ourselves, faith in the process of redemption, faith in the soul within. 
The Haggadah's answer is that God can take us out of our exile. He takes us out with his strength of hand, out of our Egypt, out of our narrow place, out of our egoism and out of the house of bondage. And it is in that process that we need to put our faith. And finally, when God's voice calls to us to give unconditionally and we respond with the aspect of the one who doesn't know what to pray for. Because the one who says he doesn't know what to ask really means he doesn't know what to pray. This part of ourselves is our most unconscious part. We are unaware of the damage we cause ourselves through our wills to receive for ourselves alone. And we don't even notice when God is calling to us to give unconditionally. It's like being tone deaf when someone is playing the most beautiful music. The will to receive for ourselves alone feels so normal in this part of ourselves, we don't even know we're in exile. And so we don't recognize the call to give. We've become deaf to the voice of our soul within us. What's the answer? At patachlo, which really means you open for him. In other words, the Torah. The Torah can open even the deaf part of ourselves to God's redemption. Nowadays, we are so blessed. The Torah is more available to us now than at any previous time in human history. It's available to both men and women, to Jews and non-Jews. You can pick up Torah on a podcast or on a YouTube channel. You can listen to Torah with your hearts and with, and with minds. We can turn to the texts and we can read the commentaries of our great sages and teachers. And in this way, we can allow the Torah to open up and heal that unconscious part of ourselves and find the place in which we can pray to God for the redemption that we and everyone else so desperately needs. So we need to pray for our own redemption, for the redemption of all the souls of Israel and for the souls of the world. So may the Torah waken us up and then we will say to the unconscious part of ourselves, on that day it was because of what God did for me when he took me out of Egypt. The great and holy night of Seder night is also a very inner night. It's the holiest night of the year when God takes us out of our egoism, out of our inner exile and brings us close to him. I hope and pray that we all recognise our inner exile and long for our great redemption and the redemption of all we love and of all the people in the world. I'd like to wish you all a Chag Pesach Kasher V'Sameach. This audio recording is brought to you from Nahora School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Nahora School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or 
www.nahoapress.com.